Turn please to Psalm 78 again. We saw last night, and if you weren't with us last night, let me encourage you, get the CD or DVD or go online, download it, it won't cost you anything. Get caught up with us, because some very important things we covered already. But in Psalm 78 and uh, 40, it says, how often did they provoke him in the wilderness? And uh, they grieved him in the desert. Can God be provoked? Can he be grieved? Yes, he can. You know, you'll find out he's a whole lot like you. And just about every time you say that, you, you see the looks across the crowd. People go, no. No, God's not like me. Well, are you like him? But he's not like you. <laughs> see, that doesn't work. Right? <laughs> are you made in the likeness and image of God? Are we cre- recreated in the image, hallelujah, of his son? We're in him, made a new creation in Christ. No, uh, he's a whole lot like us because we're like him minus the perversions <laughs> and distortions. But just like you can get happy and, and mad and, and uh, tired of something, and he does. He does. And uh, he, they provoked him and they grieved him. In verse 41, yea, they turned back instead of moving forward with him, they unhooked from him. Everybody say that out loud. They did what? They unhooked from him. And have you read the accounts? Where did they want to go? They wanted to go back to Egypt, what they had been delivered from. And the only way you can do that, only way you can go backwards is to unhook from God. And in the truest sense of the word, you cannot go back. Because it's not going to be like it was then. Things have changed. You've changed. They've changed. Time has changed. It's not going to be like it was. Besides that, your future's not back there. Your future's with him. And the path of the just gets brighter and brighter and better. He says, I know the thoughts I've had about you, plans I got for you. They are good, good, wonderful. They turned back and tempted God. And what did they do? They limited the Holy One of Israel. Now this flies in the face of much modern theology, which will tell you that God cannot be limited. In any shape, form, or fashion. But they did. The Bible says, and if they did, somebody else could. And in praying about this meeting, the Lord uh, prompted me about this verse and about the limitations that were hindering him in his people's life. That they're not the last ones that have limited him. That many have limited him. I believed that to be true, but as he took me down the path we're going now, I hadn't made that connection, that that was one of the biggest limitations that's occurring 
How did they limit God? Well, if you look at other verses like we did last night, you'll see that in the the eighth verse, he said that they might not be as their fathers, a stubborn, rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. He says it again in verse 37, Psalm 78, 37, their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Sometimes people try to get technical and legalistic about things, forgetting God always looks at the heart. You don't get in trouble because you you missed something ignorantly or you missed a technicality on something. You get in serious trouble when you ignore what you know is right in your heart. When you override light and refuse to do it. And your heart's not right. With the Lord, it's always about the heart. Always. And how many think we ought to be like Him? And instead of blowing up over details or natural things, uh, we ought to always seek to see what's their heart. Where are they coming from? And uh, sometimes people say, actually quite sassy, you know, if something's not going their way, they'll say, well, well, the Lord knows my heart. (laughs) And as we said last night, that's not always a good thing, (laughs) that he knows your heart. (laughs) People assume, well, it's because it's my heart, it's always good. No, Jesus talked about all kind of bad stuff that comes out of the heart, didn't he? And defiles the man. He said it's the stuff that comes out of the inside that defiles the man. 2 Corinthians 7.1 said, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So, no, uh, it's always about the heart. Now, we went to Genesis. Go with me again, please. Genesis, the fourth chapter. Where we saw what happened with Cain and Abel. I had mentioned last night. That something that seemed. Odd to me that just didn't add up. From the time I learned something about God being a God who will bless you. Including materially and financially. And begin to listen to people like uh, the Copelands and, and, and the Hagans and. Brother Oral Roberts and and different ones that God gave a revelation of abundance. And uh, I mean, it was just one of the greatest days of Phyllis in my life. When it dawned on us, uh, we had been married, what, a few months? Got married really young. And uh, we heard, hallelujah, that God would bless you. He'd help you pay your bills. He, He would help you get a car, help you get out of debt, help you get a house. And that's just one of the best things we ever heard in our life. We thought, we grew up in church, but we had never heard that in church. Isn't that something? Go to church for years and never hear the gospel. At least not that part of the gospel. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Save your letters, okay? I said that part of the gospel, all right? We're thankful for the other parts. But how many believe we should have heard from the beginning 
that Jesus will save you and he will heal you and he will fill you and he will bless you and meet your needs. We should have heard it all from the beginning and parts of the gospel have been lost from generation to generation and in different parts of the body. And, uh, but from the time that we got a hold of that and began to believe it and began to practice sowing and reaping with faith and tithing, man, we begin to catch flack. We begin to get, you know, negative feedback. Oh, you better watch out. Getting involved with that, you know, claim it, frame it, blab it, grab it bunch. That confess it, possess it, you know. That's just all about health and wealth gospel. (laughs) Well, health is good news. Wealth is good news. What kind of gospel you want? (laughs) And then as I later on in the ministry begin to preach these things, man, begin to get some of the ugliest letters. And some of the, you know, people saying things that you think they would know better. Or you think, well, you know, don't you even want to try to find out what really happened on this? But no, they don't want to find out. Just want to be mad and upset. And I begin to see an unreasonable anger in people about God and prosperity. And especially about preachers (laughs) and abundance. And like we said last night, there are people who are misusing scriptures and prophesying money out of your pocket into theirs. And everything, most of the service and most of the message is starting and leading up to a big pull for money. And their solution to everything is so a big financial seed today to me. That's their fix for everything. And... It's, you know, it, it muddies the waters for some people. And so there's a lot of folks have wanted to distance themselves from that to the point to they don't preach God's a, a God of abundance. They just don't want to talk about it and they have suffered for it more than they know. They've suffered for it. You need fellowship in the gospel. You do. You need to be around people who have more faith than you do and greater vision than you do. You do. It'll stir you up. It'll build a fire under you. It'll make you so excited you'll want to run out. You know how you can tell you've been to a good meeting? Because when it's over, you want to do more. You want to go do more for Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Genesis, the fourth chapter, let's start in the first verse again. Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bare Cain, said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. They got a baby boy. How many think it was an exciting time? It was what parents are not happy about their, their newborn child. Again, she bare his brother Abel. Got two boys. And uh, they grew up together. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So Abel became a rancher, 
and Cain became a farmer. And uh, verse 3, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. Verse 4, Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. Verse 5, But to Cain and his offering he had not respect. Do offerings matter? Even though people may not do them right, may mess them up. My personal conviction, and in some small experience, I believe there are times that are not appropriate for offerings. I've seen times when the Lord is moving, healing people, and doing miracles. And uh, maybe the man of God or woman of God is ministering to people and a miracle just happened and a healing. How many understand when people are excited and God's done something like that, it's not time then to stop and take up a big offering? I don't think so. Because you can't buy a healing. And you can't pay for a healing. It's been bought and paid for. Is that right? Jesus paid for it. There's a right time and there's a wrong time. And some folks look for when people are really worked up and high and emotional. And then they go, okay, man, but pass the plate. No. I said, no. That's mishandling the holy things of God. And uh, the Lord does care about offerings. And he doesn't just receive every offering. What makes the offering or the gift acceptable or unacceptable? The heart. The heart of the giver determines the acceptability of the gift or the offering. So no matter what you might do monetarily, if you don't do it with the right heart, it's not going to please the Lord. He's not going to accept it. Just anything that you do. And so obviously Abel's heart was right. But obviously Cain's was not. Now some people might read that and say, well, it didn't say, you know, he just... Maybe he just made a mistake. It was, no, no, no. It was a heart problem. Hold your place here. Go to 1 John and we'll, we'll confirm that in the Word. 1 John 3 and verse 11. This is the message that we heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. There's a reason why this is the New Testament commandment. Instead of one of a hundred thousand other things that it could have been. This is it. That we should love one another. Not as Cain who was of that wicked one. That's serious isn't it? And slew his brother. Killed his brother. And why? Wherefore slew he him? Why? Did Cain kill his brother Abel? We need to answer these questions. When the Bible asks you a question, he expects you to get to the answer. We read last night, the Lord asked Cain, why are you so angry? When the Lord asks you that, what should happen? I mean, if you were quick, what would you get immediately? If he's asking you, Why are you angry? 
you shouldn't be. Why is he asking you about it? And you need to be honest about why you are. And this is where the heart problems come in. Not being honest about why you're upset. A whole lot of people won't even admit they are upset. What's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> Liar. It's just a fact. Didn't say you had to say everything, you, but, but don't say nothing when it's something. You can say, I don't want to talk about it right now, but don't stand there and lie and say nothing's wrong. That was worth coming to church for right there. Admitting, being honest about what's going on. Why are you, you know, is something wrong? Are you upset? And then why? Well, what's wrong? Before I'm getting looks all across the country. (laughs) How many days and weeks have people, roommates, brothers and brothers and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives had cold war? Because... Of not being willing to admit Mm -hmm. that they're upset, angry, hurt, or why. Everybody say why. Why? Why they are. You know why so many times folks refuse to admit why they are? Because it is so ugly. The truth is so unflattering. Why they are upset. Getting ahead of myself a little bit here. But that'll help you. It'll warm you up for it. You'll be, you'll, you'll be more ready for it when we get to the rest of it. Why did Cain kill his, at that time, one and only brother? I guess there's four human beings on the planet. And Cain kills. of the world population. (laughs) Now you laugh. But going that far back. How many generations. By this time. Could have come out of Abel. How many people did he kill. Millions. Come on think about it. If Abel got married and had one kid, and you know how it works, he was cut short. Why did he kill him? We don't have to speculate. It's right here in the Bible. Why did he kill him? Because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. He killed him. Because he did right. He killed him. Because he did good. Now is that not devilish? Who would want to kill somebody. Because they pleased God. And got blessed. Who would want to do that? It's the devil himself. Which is why it says. Cain was what? Of that wicked one. 
The devil is a liar and the father of lies and was a murderer from the beginning. Lying and killing go together. You'll find again and again in order to get to the place where you can justify killing, you have to lie to yourself. Where you see wholesale mass murder, genocide, the devil has to convince one group of people that this other group of people not even human. Just animals that need to be exterminated. You can't live in the truth and see that they're human beings just like you with a life and hopes and dreams and kill people wholesale or at all. You have to buy in to lies and believe lies. So we know Cain yielded to deception and believed lies to get to the place to where he killed his brother. Why did he kill him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. And verse 13 says, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Why would he say, don't marvel at it, don't be shocked by it, don't be surprised? Why would he say that? Because people are being shocked. Because not everybody likes them. And hurt to the core. I'm just doing my best to preach the gospel. I don't know what their problem is. They hated Jesus when he did it. They hated Paul when he did it. Come on, are you listening to me? And if you are lined up with Jesus and Paul, they're going to hate you. There's going to be some people that love it. And there's going to be some people that hate it. And you do not need to fall off your chair. When somebody speaks vehemently about you and what you're doing in relation to the good news. The word of God. God being a healing God. Miracle working God. Talking in tongues and manifestations of the spirit are for today, right now, right now. And God will take you out of the ditch and put you in a mansion. He will take you from needing welfare and help to putting you in a place where you can get other people off the street. And you would think everybody would just be thrilled about that. But they're not. And the bigger deal is if you really begin to practice it yourself and begin to walk in greater and greater abundance, there will be some folks who will be inspired (laughs) and there will be other people who will be indignant and livid and hate you. He wants you to not be shocked. Don't marvel about it. I can almost hear people going, well, I don't, I I don't, I want people, everybody like me. You're not above your master. Everybody didn't love him. And if you walk in his footsteps, everybody's not going to love you. Can you handle it? Can you handle it? Can you handle it? (laughs) When we did our first, uh, uh, our first service, Sunday service in Sarasota, Florida. The local paper, which is sizable, 
ran a front page article on us. And they talked about, what all did they say, Philly? Prosperity preacher. We, we swooped in and grabbed up properties and just basically were a scourge to the area. You know, they did not mean it in a nice way. <laughs> but you know what we saw? Person after person, that, that first Sunday or two, we, Phyllis and I went to the door and shook the hands to see the people, and they said, I saw that advertisement in the paper. You <laughs> 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 thought I would, you, came, you couldn't have bought the front page to say we're having a church. They gave it to us. But they weren't trying to bless us. Some of our most faithful people still there after years. They came there because they saw it in the paper. They thought, glory to God, I didn't know they were coming. They run another article in it about our house. And they said, they called us things like mega church. I thought, mega church? Say it again. (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) Yeah. See, they think they're insulting us. They think they're going to scare everybody away. And what they did is they told people, you need to come to this church. They believe in prosperity. (laughs) And what they meant for slander, the Lord turned it around and used it for our benefit. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God. But if you preach the good news, which includes being filled with the Holy Ghost, healing, miracles, is that right? Abundance, protection, it includes all of that. You will be persecuted. Not you might. I said, not you might. You will be persecuted. And that scripture coming to pass in your life. Did I lose somebody? But as we said, it's just not normal and reasonable how upset people get about this. We're going to talk about this later, I believe, as the Lord helps us. But success in any other profession is lauded. I mean, if a man or woman does good, I mean, if a man invents a new brake pad and he has a factory and and he winds up with a mansion and a yacht and a new jet, what do people think? Yeah, because brake pads. (laughs) But if it's a preacher... Not only are people not excited about it, they're angry about it. Angry. Why, and remember what the Lord asked Cain. Why are you angry? And in order for folks to get free, they're going to have to answer that question. And what the Lord was showing me to begin with on this meeting is that this thing of being upset about what other people have is limiting them, is limiting God in their life. And they don't even realize. 
Do we want to take the limitations off? Take the, take the caps off? It's, it's very simple. It's, it's not super complicated. It will require a heart adjustment. But it can happen quickly. Go back to Genesis, please. Genesis 4. I didn't finish my reading my verses, but you go to Genesis and I, I will. He, he had gone on to say, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we've passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Are we talking about brothers right here? Brothers. Brothers. In Genesis 4, Cain was what? Very wroth. Now that word wroth means heated. To burn. This is not just a logical thing. This is your your feelings, your emotions, your soul, your flesh. He got hot. He got into a rage about this. And his countenance fell. That mean that denotes depression and dejection and hopelessness. This is a bad combination of rage and hopelessness. And verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, he spoke to him, why are you so hot? Why are you burning with rage? And why are you so depressed and hopeless? Well, we know this is what he's dealing with because look at the next verse. He tells him something that if he'd believe it, would snap him out of the hopelessness. He says, listen, if you do well, shall you not be accepted? This is not the end of this. Make a change. If you don't do well, sin is at the door. Other translations say there's an opening. There's an opening. And sin is right there. And the King James is, is maybe not as clear as some of the other translations. It talks about he desires you. But you can rule over it. You don't have to be defeated by the enemy. How many understand the devil was at the door? He was right there. And how many other times is that the case when somebody flies into a rage, yields to depression and hopelessness? How many understand the devil is right there? He's right there and you're in a dangerous spot. And if you don't get a hold of yourself, you can wind up yielding to the enemy and doing despicable things. He said, uh, you can rule over it. You can have dominion over it. You can resist the devil and him have to flee. Verse 8. And Cain went and talked with Abel, his brother. Now this is his brother. They ate spaghetti together. (laughs) They played whatever they played together. Swam in the creek. Is that right? Climbed trees. Chase the animals. Whatever they did. This is his brother. This is his buddy. 
What has Abel done to him? He's in a rage. He's he's envious. He's embittered. And he's enraged. Why? What has Abel done to him? Did Abel pick out Cain's offering for him? Tell him this is what you need to give? Not no indication of anything like that. What did Abel have to do with God not accepting Cain's offering? It wasn't Abel that made God say he was pleased with Abel's offering. It wasn't Abel that gave Fluffy to Abel. God gave Fluffy to Abel. and It was in Abel's heart to give Fluffy to God. And God was pleased with it. and God blessed Abel. What does that have to do with Cain? That's just between Abel and God. But when the truth is not pretty, when the truth is not pretty, and you don't want to look at the truth, you don't want to acknowledge the truth, when you don't want the truth, there's only one other thing to believe, and that's a lie. And when he was unwilling to accept the truth, The truth was, he didn't love God as much as he should have. The truth was, he didn't have the faith and vision to give like his brother did. The truth was, he could be just as much in favor with God and just as blessed as his brother if he was willing to change. That's the truth. But he is unwilling to admit the truth because he is unwilling to change. And he don't want that to be the truth. It is the truth, but he doesn't want it to be the truth. So when you want to reject the truth, the enemy will be right there with a lie. He will come right there with a lie. And you know what the lie is? This is not fair. This is not fair. He is the accuser of the brethren. Isn't he? He is the liar. And he'd see Abel go across the, the yard. He'd see Abel go out to his, his sheep pen. He'd say, look at him. He thinks he's better than you. Goody, goody, I gave my prize sheep. Look at that. He's over there talking to mom and dad and, and laughed and looked over towards Cain. Just happened to. He said, look at that. They're mocking you. They're and, and they were talking about getting some good feed for the sheep. What's he doing? The devil is fueling this rage and fueling these lies. He's your problem. Now the truth is, he's mad at God. But he can't kill God. So what's the next best thing? He can get to his brother. And the devil fuels this to him till he becomes, what's the word? His understanding is darkened and dulled. When you start out in these things, you know what's right and wrong. But if you yield to it long enough, you can get to the place where you believe the lie. And you are deceived. 
And if you do that, you are in darkness. And he became convinced that Abel was everything that's wrong with his life. Abel is why he doesn't have favor with God. It's why mom and daddy don't love me like they should. Abel, Abel, that sorry, low down, Abel. And Abel is just loving God and giving fluffies and being blessed. Come on, can you see this? And the Bible said, he said, he said, Abel, I, I need to talk to you. No, not here around the house. We need to go with premeditated murder. Now, come on, let's come back to this. The earth's a big planet. How far would you have to go to get away from people? Why not just leave? Why you got to kill your brother? It's because of believing lies. It's because of getting in such a state. Didn't the Bible say, you know, be angry, but what? Don't sin and give no place to the devil. Why? Because again and again, when people have yielded to rage, they have yielded to the devil and done devilish things. He rose up against his brother and he killed him. This is really very sad, isn't it? He killed him. Why did he hate him? Why did he get so mad? Why did he get so upset? Hallelujah. Go with me to the book of uh, Proverbs. Proverbs 27. We see, and I believe you'll see this even more clear as, as we go. I know you will. Envy. Anger and bitterness. Yielding to this is what put them at that place of murder. And envy is something that the enemy has been way too successful in influencing people with, including people of God. Because folks are in such denial about it. What if you ask somebody? What is it? Are you jealous of them? Tell me your response 990 times out of a thousand that you're going to hear. What's the deal? Are you envious of them? What are they going to say? What? Are you joking? Envious of them? No way. When the truth is. That's exactly why they got it stuck in their craw and why they're so mad. Else, why would you be mad? The word envy, if you look up the words, it also includes the idea of burning, getting hot, getting heated. And one thing I believe that distinguishes it, and sometimes the same words are translated jealousy as they're translated envy, some of them. And uh, one of the definitions is to feel displeasure. I would say it like this, at the blessing of others. Did you hear that? Yes. To feel, you don't have to be in a rage. You can just feel displeasure. You don't have to fly off the handle and cuss and say a bunch of things. You can just hear something good happen for them and go, hmm, 
a little bit of displeasure there. You might never tell anybody, but you just don't. Do you know you really need to watch who you tell about your blessings? <laughs> if you want to avoid a lot of problems, you need to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. I remember a number of years ago, a great thing happened for Phyllis and I. And, and the next people I saw, I, was, I, I wanted, I need, you want to tell somebody, you want to tell somebody. And I was going to run over and tell them, and the Spirit of God, check me, check me, don't tell them. I thought, why? Don't tell them. And he, and he spoke to my heart, he said, they won't be glad. I thought, no, they won't be glad. Why wouldn't they be glad? How many know people can act like they're glad? Yeah. When they're not. Now you may think we've digressed. But this is a major limiter. In the body of Christ. It's limiting God. In the lives of his people. Because it's a big heart problem to God. He's always looking at the heart. I'm confident. That when you're believing for things. The Lord will let things happen around you. That's what you want. And bigger than what you have. And it's a test. I said it's a heart test. How you respond to it. Because there's a lot more going on here. Than us just getting our stuff. And getting our bills paid. We are being groomed. To rule and reign. In his eternal kingdom. Throughout the ages. And he refuses. To have ill hearted. Mean spirited. Come on are you listening. Self centered. Covetous people. Inheriting the kingdom of God. There are scriptures in the New Testament. That say those kind of folk. Won't inherit. The kingdom of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> But the solution is, is easy. Be happy. Woo, just, just be happy. I know uh, years ago, one of the first cars Phyllis and I got that we believed for, it was a 88 Oldsmobile. Excuse me, this one I'm talking about was a Toronado Oldsmobile. Two-tone paint, wire wheels. Back when an Oldsmobile was an Oldsmobile, buddy. I'm, had the full gospel bumper. And <laughs> anyway, it wasn't new, but it was a top-notch car. And the Lord helped us to get it. Better than the Vega we had. <laughs> Somebody missed God. And uh, <laughs> now, if you'll yank that little four banger out there and put your big block in there, now, now, you, now you guys, am I right? Now you got something. But that's another story. But uh, I, we got it, and I drove it to the place where I was ministering. I was speaking every day, and one of my guys that helped me, he came out. He looked at it. He said, uh, "Whose car is that?" I said, "That's our car." He said, that's your car? I said, yeah. He said, whoo, glory to God. He jumped, he jumped, he ran around the car. He, he put 
his hands on it. He said, this is beautiful. I said, yeah, thank you, Lord. He said, whoo. He jumped in. He did a lot more than I did. Yeah. Being excited about the car. He was, and you could tell, he's genuinely happy for me. Does that help make your day? Yeah. It helps make the thing the Lord did for you even better. Yeah. When your friends and your family are excited about it. And genuinely glad. Yes. And when he stopped running and shouting, he, uh, he looked at me. He said, and another thing. He said, I'm in the same blessing line you're in. He said, you got started a few years before me, but I'm coming right up behind you, brother. He said, and mine is coming too. That sums up our whole week. Because the truth is, Him feeling that way qualified him. Oh, because God is looking at the heart all the time. What we need to see at this point, I believe, is how absolutely evil envy is. It is evil. It's devilish. And you see some of it here in Proverbs, the 27th chapter. We begin to see how bad this thing is. I'm going to read a couple of other translations here. This is Proverbs 27:4. He said, Wrath is cruel, anger is outrageous. That word actually means overflowing. But who's able to stand before envy giving you a comparison and telling you how much worse envy is than these others? Listen to some other translations. The complete Jewish says fury is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who can stand up to jealousy? The complete English says an angry person is dangerous. But a jealous person is even worse. Come on, think about Cain and Abel. How many brothers ever had a disagreement and got mad and got real angry? That didn't mean they killed each other. Why would you get to premeditated murder? Envy is worse than anger, more cruel than wrath. It doesn't get much more devilish. Good news says anger's cruel and destructive, but it's nothing compared to jealousy. Now look with me, you're, you're there in Proverbs 27, back up to the 14th chapter. Proverbs 14 and 29. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. Can you control yourself? And here's a key, this is a revelation here. You ever had problems with your temper? It's because you've yielded to it too much. In the past is why it got worse. And here's the key. You don't have to try to fix everything. One word right here. Slow. Come on y'all listen. Slow. Just slow your roll. What do you mean? Just pull yourself Man, you know, when, when it first hits you and it flies all over you, realize I don't know the whole story. 
How many times have people blared into something and told people what for and then found out it wasn't them, it was somebody else? You're like, oh, excuse me. Well, not only have you messed up your witness, but you've made yourself to be a fool. Because you were way too quick. What did the New Testament say? Be quick to hear. What else? Slow. How many think doing what the New Testament says is really good idea? Come on, y'all know the verse? Man, y'all already know all this. Quick to hear. Quick to what? That means when somebody's talking, you are quick to hear. And then you are slow, slow, everybody say slow, 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 to speak. And then what else? We need to go there. Hold your place in Proverbs. Go to James. James 1, 19. What does it say? I want everybody to read it out loud. Every, everybody. That means you on the internet. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Where's your Bible? Get, get that Bible out. <laughs> Put up the popcorn. This ain't no movie. Come on. <laughs> Verse 19. Everybody together. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man Unless, unless, of course, if you're Irish or Italian or, huh, huh, every, every man, how many of that means male, man, and female, man, every man be what? Swift to hear. And what? Slow to speak. And what else? Slow to wrath. Slow. Slow. This is an answer from God for people in the room and other rooms tonight, right here. Folks that have just blown their top and said stuff and done stuff. Are you listening, friend? This is an answer from God for you, right here, right now. You don't have to change the whole world. All you got to do is what? Slow down. Slow yourself down. You get mad. So you don't run. Pick up the phone. (laughs) Somebody say slow down. Slow down. Slow down. They upset you. They rub you the wrong way. So you pull out your phone and you start texting. No. 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 Do you not realize this stuff stays on the internet forever? You just think you can get it off. Uh Uh-uh. Well, mine's secure. Yeah, in your dreams. (laughs) Ain't no such thing as 100% foolproof, you know, secure tech. Mm -mm. That's another story. Be, Be what? Swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow 
to wrath. Next verse. This is not the end of the sentence. For the wrath of man does not work. What God says is right. His righteousness. That's why Ephesians says, be angry and don't sin. How could you be angry and not sin? Slow down. (laughs) Slow down. Don't run in there and talk to them right now. Learn to control yourself. Ask questions. Wait, even when you think you know, even when you're sure you know, just smile and ask questions. You will save yourself from looking foolish so many times. Come on, are y'all with me? Listen. Leaders, heads of ministries, heads of churches, did you hear that phrase? Ask questions. Even when you think you know, come in and ask questions. What happened? Right? How did this go this way? What's going on? And many, many times you'll find out things that changes how you see the situation. Everybody say, quick to hear. hear. Slow to speak. speak. And slow. Slow. Slow to get mad. Slow to get mad. You know, my, my dad put me in a school of martial arts when I was 10 years old. It was old uh, Japanese style. It goes way back hundreds of years. And we practiced on concrete floors with no pads. <laughs> old school. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't lean up against the wall. Uh, you know, you had to sit with your legs in the right way and everything. And, and when you're doing your, your stances and your punches and your kicks, the uh, instructor would come along. And he'd shout something at you in Japanese or English. And, and if you straightened it up, okay, you're good. But if you didn't correct the first time or two, the next thing you would feel is a foot <laughs> sweeping you to the floor. And your response is supposed to be, thank you, sir. Because obviously words wasn't doing it for me. So thank you for the help. And some of the first sparring that I got into I think I'll always remember this. I wound up sparring a guy. I was 10, 11 years old. And this guy, you know, of course, you know, when you're younger, everything seems bigger to you. And, and it seemed like this guy I was fighting was three foot taller than me. And, of course, that's a problem because of reach. Reach. I mean, they can punch you before you can close the distance to get across to them. You know? And so it wasn't going very well. And I'm fighting, and I'm trying to get in, and I'm trying to get in, and he kicked me in the ribs, and I it probably cracked a rib, and and uh, I saw stars and heard Tweety Birds, and <laughs> and uh, and I, I I crumpled up on the floor, and it made me mad, too. You ever been hit real hard? Especially in the face. You ever been hit real hard in the mouth? Woo! You get a revelation. (laughs) Man, there's one primitive thing on your mind. And that's hit them back. Harder! And, uh... uh, I'm over there holding my side, and I'm mad, and I jump up, 
And I start to do something. My instructor, he swoops in. He pulls me off to the side. He said, uh, you're telling your opponent you're half defeated. You've lost control of your side. You're holding it. You've lost control of your feelings. You've lost control of your reasoning. You're not planning anything. You have no strategy. You're already defeated. He said, why does he have to know you're hurt? It only encourages him. Right? Anybody ever watch boxing or fighting? What if the guy gets his eye cut in boxing? Then that's the target from now on, right? Hit that same spot. This is how the enemy works. I said, this is how the enemy works. He wants you to get so mad you can't see straight. He wants you to get so upset that you just start lashing and flailing and yelling and screaming and lose it. Because when you do, you are just yielding to him. And you are defeated. It wasn't easy as a 10, 11 year old boy. But I saw it. I know the Lord helped me. He was teaching me back then. I saw it. I got up. Even though I wanted to do this, <laughs> I didn't. I, I managed. I was surprised myself. I thought, I'm hurting, but I don't think it's showing. <laughs> I wiped my, my mouth off. I got back into my stance. I looked at him, and I smiled. <laughs> and the color just went out of his face. <laughs> I can see it. He's thinking, that was my best shot. And it looks like it didn't even phase him. Oh, and that has served me well dealing with the enemy every day of my life. Don't let him know. Don't let him know that he got to you. And the only way you can do that is by being slow. Slow. You can't just react and respond. You've got to Get a hold of yourself. And just keep telling yourself, well, if I need to deal with this, I will deal with it later. If I need you, but, but right now, I'm too mad, I'm too upset. I, I got to get a hold of myself. What if Cain? What if Cain had got a hold of himself and said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is my brother. We grew up together. I've known him all my life. And I need to think about this. I need to go over here and clear my head. Back to uh, Proverbs. Don't let him know. <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite phrases is what uh, Paul said on one occasion. He'd been through all kind of stuff. And every town he was going through, they were telling him, bad things are waiting on you, buddy. <laughs> When you get to Jerusalem, anybody remember that? Man, you are in for it. And you know what he finally said? None of these things move me. They don't move me. I'm ready to live. I'm ready to die for the Lord Jesus, right? They don't move me. Man, when you get like that, the devil can't do anything with you. You just are giving him nothing to work with. You ought to practice it, everybody. everybody. Are you ready? Say it out loud. None. None of these things move me. They don't move me. 
didn't say you didn't feel them. You just didn't decide to move on it. Because you're slow. To act on that kind of stuff. <laughs> you felt it. It's there. Everybody's got feelings. But it doesn't mean it had to move you. Move you to action. Move you to saying something dumb or doing something wrong. None of these things. Move me. Where were we in Proverbs? 14. 14. 29. Being slow. He that is slow to, to wrath is of great understanding. He that's hasty of spirit exalts folly. I'm going to read this to you. Well, read, read the 30th verse as well, and then we're going to get into some other things. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. You hear what the Lord said to me about this today? He said, there is no like in there. Some of your modern translations will put a like in there, but it's not in there. I looked it up today in the, uh, the different uh, sources. There's no like in there. How many believe God's word is medicine? It's not just like medicine. It is medicine. It's too many times people are taking these truths and they're turning them into some kind of a parable or simile, an ideal, an idea, and it's not what the Lord said. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. Proverbs 4 talks about it. Out of the heart are the issues of life. A strong spirit will sustain a man. Even in bodily pain and trouble. Is it true? Is it true, saints? Is it true? A sound heart is the life of the flesh. If that's true, the next part's true too. Envy is what? The rottenness of the bones. Listen to some other highly regarded translations. The complete Jewish says, a tranquil mind gives health to the body. He's talking about peace. We know that to be true. Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood, go in peace and be whole. Peace is a manifestation of the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of peace. God's the God of peace. When real peace from God is being manifested, you are experiencing God and there's healing in it. Peace will heal you. I said peace will heal you. What will stress do to you? Worry. Anxiety. Fear. One of the big reasons the Lord tells us, commands us, to cast all of our cares over on Him, we are not designed to handle it. Our systems break down under worry and fear and stress. I mean, you, everybody should see and know that. You start fearing and worrying and being anxious, headaches, ulcers, stomach problems, is that right? Intestine problems, blood pressure problems, is that right? Just, just thing after thing after thing. And what many have not wanted to acknowledge, a cure for a whole bunch of this stuff is just chill out. Just 
Just stop. Stop it. With the anxiety and fear and worry. And rest in your God. And let the peace that passes understanding. Come over your heart and mind and body. It will make you whole. It will heal you. In here. Tonight. Tonight. The peace of God can come in the chair with you right now. Right here. Heal. In fact, intestines are being healed right now. Where there were ulcerations and sores and, and infections. Uh, all you got all you got to do is this. That's all you got to do. Just receive the peace of God. Receive the peace of God. Hallelujah. Healings. There are Stomach healings and intestine healings happening right now, right now. In the room at Sarasota, in people's offices and uh, bedrooms. Hallelujah. Somebody say, so be it, so be it. If you've had any of that, please receive it right now. Is that for me? Yes, it's for you. Yes, it's for you. Receive it right now. Say, I believe I receive complete healing in my stomach, my digestive tracts. Complete healing. healing. Now now say this in faith. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Peace. Peace. Be still. Peace. Peace. Be healed. healed. Peace. Peace. Be whole. whole. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody, put your hands on your middle like I'm doing. Whether you think it's you or not, everybody, some folks didn't do it that should have done it. Hallelujah. And you just keep it right there while I keep talking. Hallelujah. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put it back up on the screen. Just keep your hands there for just a little bit. Tranquil mind. I like the word peace. That will keep him in peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Gives health to the body. But envy rots the bones. Didn't say it was like it. Says it does it. Another translation says. The BBE says a quiet mind. Is the life of the body. 
Very specific. He's talking about the B-O-D-Y. The body. How many can see enough scripture besides with what we've said? Peace will heal you. Is it true? Peace will heal you. Because real peace is God. He's the God of peace. So many times when we say we sense the presence of God, we want to slide down in our chair and go, whoo, glory. Well, that's God. That's his presence. And there's healing in his presence. But envy is a disease in the bones. Now, this is as internal as you can get. In the bones is marrow. Where blood cells are produced. You can't get any more internal than in the bones. Two or three modern translations actually use the word cancer. Two or three or four modern translations. Another translation says it like this. It says... Peace of mind means a healthy body, but jealousy will rot your bones. The complete English version says, it's verse 29, it's smart to be patient. It's stupid to lose your temper. It's healthy to be content, but envy can eat you up. Eat you up from the inside. We use that terminology. What's eating you? See, your heart knows more about it than your head does. Why do these kind of phrases come up? What's eating you? Well, friend, we know that the spirit and the body are connected, don't we? Don't we? Is the spirit and body connected? Certainly. Then what happens in the spirit is going to affect the body. It's going to affect the body. You go around full of fear and anxiety and worry and anger, jealousy, envy. It's going to affect your body. Not might. It's going to. If not today, tomorrow or next week or next year, but it's going to. But if that's true, I said if that's true, then walking in peace. Oh, hallelujah. And the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. Walking in love with everybody. Oh, come on. Walking in victory. Positive expectation of good every day and night. Will, will affect your body. Will, will affect your body. Now, one reason I say this is because you can have healing ministered to you. But if whatever's eaten you because the problem wasn't fixed, it's a temporary solution. Hallelujah. The root has to be dealt with. Go to Hebrews 12, please. Somebody say the root root. must be dealt with. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Oh, thank you, Master. 
He's helping us, saints. He's helping us. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. We need to thank the Lord for helping us. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for giving us exactly what we need. Helping us to get free. Helping us to come out. Helping us to get loosed. Loosed from the snare of the enemy. Loosed. If you really believed that envy is rottenness in the bones, wouldn't you go to whatever lengths it took to stop? Stop it. Well, is the Bible true or not? If his words are medicine, and if peace will heal you, then this has got to be true too. Envy will eat you up. Hebrews 12. Now, well, let me read this and then I'll say that. Verse 11. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, after your whooping, <laughs> it yields peaceable fruit of righteousness. Now, we just got through reading what does not work the righteousness of God. This does work and yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised by it. Keep reading. Verse 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Don't get depressed like Cain. Don't get angry and hopeless and let your spirit fall and your hands fall and, and drag in like you're going to collapse. Get your hands up. Get your, get your feet healed. Get your leg healed. Get healed. Yeah. Hallelujah. Don't quit. Just get healed. He said, and follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, translate, you could say it another way, limit God in your life. If you're not accessing the grace and walking in the grace, then you have limited God. There'll be things that's not going to happen. Where do we see this kind of thing mentioned in connection with what? Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau who for one morsel of meat Sold his birthright. And he goes to talk about afterwards. He wanted it and tried to get it. Wasn't able to get it. Two other brothers. I don't know if you've seen it yet. But he, the Spirit of God is talking to us about our brother. What we do with our brother. Tell me what are you supposed to do with your brother. Come on help me out. You have to love your brother. And that, that alone will fix all of this. Loving your brother will fix all of this. 
Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau. Esau, in fact, hold your place here. Well, well, no, you, yeah, you stay where you are. Put up Genesis 27 and 40 for me, please. 41 for time's sake. After Jacob tricked his daddy into giving him the, the blessing of the firstborn, what's all this about? Blessing. What was done in connection with the blessing? They brought offerings. Sound familiar? And uh, what happened as a result? Esau did what? He hated Jacob. Why did he hate him? Because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. Did Cain hate Abel? Absolutely. He hated him. Why did he hate him? Same reason. Because of the blessing. The father received his offering and bestowed favor on him and blessing. And both Cain and Esau, we're going to see others, hated their brother because of this. Why? Because instead of choosing to believe the truth, which painted them in a bad light, they chose to believe a lie and blame their brother. Say it out loud. Blame their brother. Why did Cain kill Abel? He blamed him. He blamed him for his walk with God not being what it should be. He blamed Abel because his financial and spiritual and his life wasn't what it should be. Other people weren't impressed with his spirituality. How many figure Adam and Eve heard about this? They still love their boy, but you know, if you're not right, you're not right. Need to get right. I don't know. Maybe Cain came and tried to cry on mama's shoulder. And maybe she said, well, boy, just go give the Lord a good offering. (laughs) Quick, what is the deal? I'll go talk to daddy. Somebody say, blamed his brother. This is the core of bitterness. Blaming somebody for my problems. He hated Jacob. Why? Because of the blessing. We believe in the blessing? That's a little weak. How about the folks in the back? Do we believe in the blessing of the Lord? The blessing of Abraham is ours. It's ours. We are a blessed going out and a blessed coming in. We're blessed in the basket, in the store, everything we set our hand to. We are supernaturally empowered of God to succeed. We are enabled of him to increase. I got something on me. You got something on you? I got something on me. It is the power of the blessing of the Father. Do you believe that? If you really believe it and you preach it and teach it or you just believe it and walk in it. 
you will be blessed and you will be hated. If you have manifestations of the blessing in your life and the bigger the manifestations of blessing, the more obvious they are, anything that's above what some other people are seeing and doing, you're going to hear about it. Some people are going to hate it. They're going to hate it. And here's the sad thing. Some brothers hate their brothers. Oh, they wouldn't say it. They would not admit it. You could twist their arm and they would deny it. No, 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 no. But it's real simple. When you heard they built a building that was three times as big as yours, were you really happy? I need to talk to somebody else over here too. When you heard they sowed an offering that was ten times the biggest offering you've ever sown in your life, were you really happy about it? Say <laughs> la. Think about that. Go back. <laughs> they got the car you wanted. <laughs> they got the car you wanted to get, but didn't have the money to get. Are you really happy for them? They sowed seed and stood and got in three days what you've been standing and believing for three years and still hadn't got. Huh? When you heard about it, look at your neighbor. Ask him. Say, were you really happy? Were you? Were you? Were you? You were just sure they were going to choose you for that position. And your brother that hadn't been there but half as long and seemed like work a third as hard. They gave it to him. <laughs> Were you really happy? <laughs> and that's the truth. That's the truth. You were not. But listen, saints. If you are displeased about some good thing that happened in your brother's life, it cannot be anything else except envy. It can't be anything else. And you also have to not love them in this situation to feel that way. True or not? Hallelujah. The Lord is with us, saints. He's, the Spirit of God is moving in us right now. Great things are happening. You know what God intends? 
He don't want you to feel bad. He don't want you to look over the past. You know what he wants to do? He wants you to take the caps off and the limits off so he can do for you what he's been wanting to do. But for that to happen, you're going to have to get happy about what's happening for them. Genuinely happy, glad. It may start out as a decision and an act of faith. You may have to get some toothpicks and poke up, <laughs> pump up the corners of your mouth. And it may take you three days of going, I'm glad for him. I really am. And your, your head will go, no, you're not. You say, shut up. I'm, I'm glad for him. I'm really, because it's a choice. It's a choice of heart. And if you will do that, friend, your feelings will have to come in line. They'll have to come in line. But you got to make that choice of the heart. I don't care what I thought I wanted or what I thought was going to happen. I'm glad for them. I'm glad for them. It's a good thing. It's a blessing. That's why I wanted it. Because it's a good thing. Well I care about them too. I'm glad they got a good thing. Hallelujah. And have enough faith to say I'm still going to get my good thing. Is that right? I'm still. I, none of these things move me. Because sometimes you can feel because of carnality, because of immaturity, because of a whole lot of other things. Some of these things can feel like a great big old punch to the gut. You can go, oh, what? 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 That was, that, that was my. That was God's going to be my. Friend, remember tonight. Remember that right the next few things you say and the choice the way you go is either going to limit God in your life or qualify you for what they got or even greater. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. And shouting with somebody over something good that I, even if it happened way different than how you thought and even if you're not getting yours today today just today you know they make new ones all the time and the new ones are improved is that right they, huh <laughs> just because you're not getting it today don't mean you're not getting it isn't it better to rejoice with your brother, rejoice with your sister, so that they can see sincerity in your eyes and help them have a good day and rejoice in their blessing. Isn't that better than something rotting your bones? I think so. Back to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. No chastening for the present seems to be joyous. When you're blaming other people, like Cain was, for your own mistakes, you do not need to be coddled. You need to be corrected. 
to my cousin, they took my so-and-so, and they just, sounds like a two-year-old that hadn't been taught right. They this and they that. And, and that person does not need to be hugged and say, just get it, just let it out. Because letting it out, heaving and crying is actually yielding to the devil. They got no right to feel this way. They don't need to be yielding to it. They need to be resisting it. Correction is needed in all our lives from time to time. Sometimes small corrections, all that's necessary. Sometimes large corrections are needed. We fly, and in the airplane, you've got to make course corrections all the time. Autopilot's making them minute changes all the time through the whole trip. You're a little bit off course. You fly across the country, you land in the wrong state. Because it gets bigger and bigger the further you go. And if for some reason we're flying along and you're in the back enjoying life, we've got your ginger ale or whatever it is, and, and I lose where I am, my situational awareness, and I'm about to fly into a mountain. We need to make a huge course correction right now. Do you want me to be kind and soft-spoken and move real slow and go, now I don't want to upset y'all back there, but we're going to have to make a pretty large correction here in just a boom. (laughs) No, sometimes when things have gone too far and everything's way out of where it's supposed to be, I need to pitch that thing on its side and I need to throw your ginger ale in your face. Come on in. And if you don't have your belt on, you need to be in the floor or up against the side. Come on, are y'all with me? And it may really upset you when it happens, but as soon as we skim over the top of that big mountain, what are you going to say? Oh, thank God. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. And you may say, and I ain't flying with him again. (laughs) But that's what correction is like. Sometimes, how many understand, those whom God loves, he corrects. Sometimes small corrections are all you need. But if things have gone too far, there are times you need major corrections. And there's supposed to be a lot of things in place, like your elders and your pastors, your ministers. But a whole lot of people, their, their elders and pastors have no place in their life. Correct them? Are you kidding? Don't you better, you better not try And because of that, they don't have the safeties in place. In fact, the Lord said this to me. He said, many of my people are working without a net. He said, I put things in place to protect them, but they refuse to give them place in their life. But there are times when by the mercy of God, the Lord will use people. He'll speak to you directly or he'll speak through other people and he'll say, quit that. Get your mind off of them. That's got nothing to do with you. No, they're not the reason you're having the problem. You're the reason you're having the problem. Come on, are you all with me? And that's not somebody being mean to you. That's you're about to hit the mountain. You need a major course correction right now. And any indication of bitterness, you need major correction. You don't need to be coddled. You need to be corrected. 
And I'm going to say, people will love you, they will correct you. They'll tell you, even if you don't want to hear it, even if it makes you makes them mad at you for a while, they will still tell you the truth. Not trying to be mean, but don't want to see your life messed up. Don't want to see you limit God and miss out on what you're supposed to have. Come on, read the rest of this with me. Verse 11, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous. I mean, it's not fun. Anybody in here ever been corrected? I can say beyond any doubt, one of the reasons Phyllis and I are still in the ministry and have the level of ministry that we have today is because numerous times we have received correction. No doubt about it. And it has not, there were times it was not easy. But we needed it. (laughs) Y'all are quiet. (laughs) I remember when I first started helping Brother Hagin. We sang after the service. And uh, Patsy was Beerman then, Caminetti now, and myself sang and played. Every day we're there, healing school and prayer school. He finishes up, we come up, sing and play. He says, come on, y'all get ready to close up the service. Well, usually we start moving, but on that day we looked at each other and, and, and she said, you want to do it? And I said, well, you can. She said, well, I don't care. You can. Got anything? Well, I don't know. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. And I, we must not have taken but two or three minutes. But it was too long for Brother Hagen. <laughs> He's up here. We're over there. He looked over. He said, well, if I'd have known it was going to take you that long, I wouldn't have called on you. That's when many people quit. Many people quit. Why? What if that makes you mad? Well, you didn't have to say it publicly. <laughs> and and what, what if we got upset? What's the, yeah, we're a volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> you going to talk to volunteers like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like we took a whole lot of time. I mean, if I'd have gotten mad or she'd have gotten mad, what should we have asked ourselves a question? Why? Am I angry? Is it true that we should already have been up? I didn't realize it then. It was a heart problem. We are treating the holy things of God sloppily. Our delay can affect the flow of the anointing into the next part. We needed to be corrected. I didn't see it at the time. I don't think she did either. But he was right. He wasn't mean. He loved us. <laughs> did I lose somebody? <laughs> you know what the, what, what the Lord told, told me one time years ago? He said, uh, he said, if I had lived in your generation, there would be some people who would accuse me of verbal abuse. You believe it or you don't? See, people have this concept of Jesus that they've made up in their mind. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus would always speak to you in a soft tone. Start off pretty much everything with bless your heart. No, sometimes with a loud voice, he said, you bunch of snakes, you brood of vipers. How are you going to miss hell? 
No, that's not Jesus. And he specifically reminded me of Peter when he walked on the water. This is this he brought to my mind. He said, if that situation had happened with some people today, the next day they'd have been at their therapist. <laughs> or their counselor. And they would have been crying. What's wrong, Peter? We left everything. <laughs> everything. We walked away and left everything. And have followed him and anything he needed night or day, we were there. And when he came walking on the water, and I said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. Did anybody else get out of the boat? I don't think so. I didn't see anybody moving except me. There was nobody out there. Just me. I walked on the water. I walked on the water. Only two human beings we ever know walked on the water. Jesus and moi. Me. Me. I walked on the water. And when I get to Jesus, I make a little mistake. I get to looking at the wind and wave. I start sinking so naturally. I ask for some help. And he grabs me. But does he say, Good job, Peter. No. No. He says, where's your faith? Where's your faith? (laughs) Now, there are some situations where people just, they say things to other folks they should not say. They're just mean and ugly and unkind. We're not talking about that. But... We live in a generation of a bunch of little soft whiny babies. Can't take anything. Can't take any correction. Can't take. And friend, if you don't, you are going to fail tests. You're not going to make some major correction. Looking back over our life, I know, man, there were several points. So easily we could have got upset and walked and quit and unhooked. And if we had a we would have missed the preparation in the next part of the plan of God. Nobody is going to find and follow their plan and course for God all the way without being corrected many times. Many times. And the test, why I'm saying all this, the test is can you receive correction without getting bitter without getting bitter if I could do it when the teacher swept my legs out from under me and bounced me off the concrete floor why can't we be good enough soldiers in the kingdom of God to endure some hardness why can't we do that and maybe they didn't do it all they're human just like you they can do it wrong They can do it the wrong time, the wrong way, but that doesn't change the fact whether you needed to be corrected or not. And what you need to do, no matter what your feelings are doing, is say, thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Lord. And having to control yourself helps you to grow up. Hallelujah. And it it helps you to pass tests. And it 
qualifies you. Oh, somebody say qualifies. It qualifies you. It takes the limit off what God can use you for, how much further he can use you, how much he can put in your hands, how much he can add to you. Because if you can't take a little correction from them about this thing, when you get to these bigger things and he needs to correct you and it affects more people, Come on, are y'all listening? If you won't do it with this, you won't do it with that. You have to pass these tests to be entrusted with more. Hallelujah. He said, don't let that bitterness get in you. Don't let it take root in you. Because you start spewing that, a lot of other people around you can be defiled. And how many think that folks that get all bitter and been out of shape, and they go around whispering to other people and turn them against their leaders and loved ones... If those people jump out of the will of God, don't you think these people that instigated it ought to bear some of the responsibility? If they miss the plan of God, they will bear some of the responsibility. Somebody say, not me, not me. By the grace of God, in Jesus' name, not me. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. Close your eyes, lift up your hands. Let's worship the Lord and thank Him. Thank Him for helping us. Lord, we thank You. We honor You. Hallelujah. Just pray in the Spirit, Psalmist. I heard this. I heard these words in my spirit. It's not too late. Oh, hallelujah. It's not too late. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. A number of folks that you have, you, you rejected correction and you said some things you shouldn't have said and some people quit some things and did some things. But the Lord says it's not too late. It's not too late. Somebody needs to believe that. It's, say it out loud. It's not too late. 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 The mercy of the Lord endures forever. Endures forever. If you're willing, willing to repent, willing to change, willing to be willing, willing to obey, it's not too late. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.